Welcome back to Two Girls and Some Thoughts. Guess what, guys? It's summer. Yes. 80 out there. God. <laughs> it's out there. It's happening. But where we live, it's 40 and then 80. So there's no like ease into it. Last weekend was nice and then it was cold all weekend. Now it's like, haha, it's 80 degrees. Yeah, we got a little cold in the family. First one. But everyone is sick. And every, I mean, not just the mellows. Everyone's sick. And they said it's because of that. The drastic change from 40 to 80 to 60 to wind blowing, crap coming snip, up. Snip, snip, snip. Um, <laughs> there's a, the, that reminds me, there's a part of, there's a scene in The Office, the show The Office, where he was talking to his girlfriend. And he's, it's really dramatic, but it's like, get a vasectomy. Don't. Snip, snap, snip, snap. It's just like, <laughs> it's like my, whatever he's talking about. He's like, I can't handle it. Um. So, today, last week, I had um, teased that we would be talking about more of the Gretchen Rubin book. I am reading right now better than before, and I think what she is talking about is very profound, and I wanted to touch a little bit more on that. I wanted to read this little excerpt that I took a picture of. Um, I sent it to my... Maybe I didn't send it to him yet. I sent it to somebody. Um, The... All four tendencies find accountability to be useful for developing habits. Obligers, however, require structures of external accountability to meet expectations. Therefore, in trying to form a habit, they benefit enormously from oversight, deadlines, and consequences, and from the involvement of accountability partners such as coaches, trainers, personal health navigators, financial planners, personal organizers, friends, or often their own children. Many obligers feel a powerful sense of obligation to be a good role model. Ooh, I like that. So um, when I first started reading this book, I felt that being an obliger was a weakness and that it was going to be like more um, more of like a kryptonite thing or something. I don't know. I just seemed it, it's like if you could pick one, it didn't seem like one that you could pick. Annie and I talked about that two episodes ago where the grass always looks greener on her side, but Annie has more of a tendency to overrule uh, herself and then she ends up getting herself in trouble that way. And I've talked to more upholders and they all feel very much the same way. Like talk to somebody who can't wear her Fitbit anymore because she is like, like fanatical, obsessed obsessed with her Fitbit. And for me, I'm just like, I don't have any obligation to the Fitbit, but it is interesting. Um, thinking about how we all operate differently because really the Fitbit sold is like, you will become healthy if you wear this. But for some people having too much information can definitely not be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the book really touches on how to form habits, how to overcome these things based on your unique tendencies. So I think a lot of times we read books and it's like a one size fits all approach, but the way that she writes this book is very much so if you are like this, you should try this. If you are like that, you should try this. Um, so her section on habit formation touches on four specific things and how you can use your tendency to help you get around that. So her first strategy is foundation, uh, which we've talked at length about. That's pretty much all our topic, all our um, podcast is about getting enough sleep, getting enough exercise, creating external order, or as as we would all call it, like tidying up, and then managing eating and drinking. So those are the four foundations. Accountability, again, are you accountable to a Fitbit? Are you accountable to a person? Internal versus external. Um, and then monitoring, which I think we've talked about a little bit, but um, 
I think this is an interesting one to talk about as well. And then scheduling. Uh, scheduling is merely putting an activity on your calendar. It has a magical way of making things happen. If you've ever talked to Chris or Annie from the gym about scheduling, this is like their secret sauce. Mm-hmm. Chris is a G-Cal um, master. master. He is completely loyal to the G-Cal. Whatever the G-Cal says to do, he will do. He does. If, if you want him to do laundry. To yes. So he is obviously very... Um, Loyal to that, that's what works for him. So the scheduling part, the what I found interesting in that part of the book was it said it takes out the uh, the the decision. Basically, if you put it on your scal- if you put it on your calendar, you're scheduled to do it. You will be a lot less likely to be like, well, maybe like if you think I want to work out three days this week, and it's Wednesday and you haven't worked out yet, and you're like, oh, shit, well, maybe just two days this week. You start making compromises to your goals because it's not scheduled. And it's an interesting concept for me because scheduling and monitoring seem very much very similar. Monitoring is just tracking what you've been trying to do. So did you, are you checking something off every day? You're trying to read for 20 minutes a day, things like that. But are you actually keeping track of what you're doing? Monitoring is something we talk about a lot, but keeping a food journal. Do you actually know what you're putting in your mouth? Time studies are really good too. They say, like, really track your time to see where you're spending the majority of it. Because yes. I was listening, re-listening to Mel Robbins. We've talked about the five-second rule, but I was re-listening to the book. And she said we are emotional creatures. We act off emotion, but it's how we react mm-hmm. to emotion, right? So we want to say that we, we feel we do so much work, or I feel I eat so healthy. But when you write it down on paper... That's the truth. Mm-hmm. And the truth, ladies and gentlemen, will set you free. <laughs> if you can't handle the truth and one of a few good men, then it's time to go a different route. You know, I mean, that's... Because then you're... You maybe need to adjust your goals then. The, or, like Gretchen says, right? Find out what works for you better, mm-hmm. more efficiently. So, the thing that she cites in the book um, is called the Seinfeld Strategy. And he mm-hmm. used a method... Um, for having a chain of a number of days that he wrote every day. And he eventually started like crossing off all of these things. And she used it to um, work on her meditation. So she wanted to have however many days in a row of meditation. And it didn't matter if she was traveling or not. She didn't want to break her chain mm-hmm. of habit formation. And it's it's an interesting concept if that, if that motivates you. If you think having a break in your chain would be the most... Um, the worst, like, the, if that would be motivating to you to say, oh, I, if it's, God damn it, Annie, my brain is not working today. <laughs> if you're thinking it would be something that you would feel accomplishment if you could string 20 days together of meditation yeah. or of stretching or of whatever, however you wanted to do it. If that would be motivating to you, think of setting your habit based on a number of days in a row that you're going to do something. Because maybe, well, three days a week gives you a little bit of wishy-washy, but if you move for th- for 30 minutes a day, some days you go to the gym, mm-hmm. some days you go for a walk, and every day you can really build on the ne- previous day about your building your chain. So, like uh, Chris will snap me. He does snap. It works for him. So he's found what system works for him. So uh-huh. he snaps me his goals every day. Then I get to see them. He has now accountability to do it every day. So don't think it necessarily has to be writing on a piece of paper, too. Find what works for you. If you're technology-driven, maybe use Snapchat. Do you think Chris is an obliger or an upholder? He's a questioner. We already did the test. Questions everything. 
Why? Drives me crazy. Why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. How'd you sleep last night? And I used to think he didn't believe in me because he questioned everything I did. But it's not that at all. He just wants to find the answer. He has to be sold on everything. Once he knows the why, then he's going home and he'll go. But when I knew that he works like that, it wasn't me. Yes. It took a lot of pressure off our marriage and our working relationship. How did we both marry questioners? That's <laughs> stupid. <laughs> I'm a rule follower married to a questioner. It doesn't work well. Don't question. It's my rule. Like, leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tyler comes at the questioner role from much more like compassionate. He wants to know how you're doing, mm. which in some times things are like, well, why do I have to do it that way? He's funny. He, I don't know how he like justifies it, but he'll go like 95% of the way on task. Like if he does laundry, it gets 95% done. Ooh. There's probably still a pile somewhere in the basement or somewhere in the living room. Like that's just unput away clothes and then it will sit there forever but I know in his mind it's oh I'll take care of that later and I'm just like because he has because his question is well why does this need to be done right now mm-hmm. and he can't give himself a good reason why it has to be done right now so same thing with like recycling cans on the counter why does it have to be done right now I can do this later I'll put this off until whatever Ooh, yeah, fury in my too. blood when I see things left mm-hmm. out on the counter whatever I've gotten a lot more accepting of it just being pregnant but Holy bejeebers. I just looked at it this morning. He did laundry this weekend. What is it, Thursday? And, like, the clothes that are too small for Aiden are still on the couch. He separated them out. He did all the laundry. But now there's a pile of clothes that need to go down. And I know why he hasn't done it yet, because we're all out of storage for Aiden's clothes right now. So the next one needs to come and start clearing out some of the other boxes. But it's just so funny. He'll go so far on a project, and then he'll stop because, like, well, this doesn't need to be done now. Why? But it's that bargaining. It's the it's the finishing. It's the finish line on some of that stuff, too. So... Absolutely. Uh, scheduling is merely putting an activity in your calendar. It has this magical way of making things happen. If something is on your schedule, you're more likely, more likely to do it. Some people are even using calendars instead of to-do lists. Ooh! Mm-hmm. If you think about a to-do list is kind of an ambiguous thing. You can do it whenever. There's not really any time connected to it. Um, setting goals or setting I want to be able to do X, Y, Z by a certain date. That's an incredible... Um, incredible thing but like you've said if you put laundry or fold laundry on chris's gcal magically it gets done at that time mm-hmm. there's a very interesting it's an interesting strategy to think about things that you think of like as tasks and think about putting them on a calendar instead of just like here's three things you need to get done this mm-hmm. weekend gives a lot of time to put it off but if you actually put you it on a calendar. yourself from distraction yes so that you just have motivation get the job done because that's all the fuck then right yeah well and it's what else were you going to do with your time because whatever you're doing instead of the thing that you're supposed to be doing then it feels like you're being naughty almost like oh i'm breaking the rules i'm not at a meeting you had a meeting with your pile of laundry or whatever so oh goodness um so those i found uh, i found those to be very helpful at least thinking about the different Ways is so if you match up the tendency conversation that we had two two episodes ago to this information, if you think about your expectations and how you're motivated by those, whether you're gonna be accountable to a fitness tracker or whether you're gonna be accountable to something that you wrote down, internal versus external expectations, um, and the monitoring for me sounds is um, is very uh, valuable because you can see exactly what you're talking mm-hmm. about. So the third one, the second one that we didn't talk about was the accountability. So 
Yeah. And when you see your results, guys, it's incredible how motivating. And I think this is where I think in my world, my training world, <clears throat> we get it twisted a little bit because it's these small things over long periods that are what is going to drive you, mm-hmm. not the big thing. I was talking to Chris about this last night and finally understanding that it's the whole journey that you're going to embrace. So say I woke up tomorrow and I had $30 million in my bank account. It wouldn't be rewarding because I didn't know how to get it. It's the knowing how to get it. That's the fun part, right? So right now I'm working on mobility with a lot of my clients. And it's little. It's tedious. Mm -hmm. It's hard. But what happens is it happens a lot faster than we think. You know this just from your your yoga background. Mm -hmm. And then they see it. I take pictures. And they see how fast they're getting results. And it's now motivating based off the results and the picture that, wow, I really am getting better. Because what are they telling themselves? I still feel tight, which is probably accurate. I feel tight, and I'm a yoga instructor. We all do. That's going to happen always. It's always just like the money situation, like I said. You're always going to want to get to the next thing. You're the same. It's just our personality. There's never going to be a day when I wake up where I'm like, this is it. This is the day that I'm never going to want to do anything again. It doesn't work. But for some reason, we want to tell ourselves, when I get to here, when I get to here. Well, why wouldn't you get to there and just get more mobile? So if you just start with these little nuggets, and then you hit it. And then like, okay, I can do a little more, and then you hit it. Okay, I can do a little more, and then you hit it. And all of a sudden, you have a picture book of where you started. Mm Mm-hmm. And now you can touch your pinkies or whatever it may be, right? Yeah. And then people are like, holy shit. Well, so much healthier. I didn't think I was doing anything different. <laughs> Once again, emotion. Yes, you're emotional. Well, and we're also harder on ourselves too. Nothing's happening. No. Nothing. I'm not seeing any results. Mm-hmm. The monitoring of part of that, of like taking pictures at the beginning, the middle, and the end, or never the end, but like as you're making progress along those lines... It can take out some of the frustration and emotion that we can sometimes feel about our progress. We're a lot harder on our progress, especially if we're not feeling like we've been handed the thing. Like, I don't look like I have a six-pack yet. Like, well, that was not the goal, and it's unrealistic to think that, but look how far you've actually come to. It can make you feel like you're making progress. Exactly. I have a client that was down because she only lost 10 pounds, and I said, well, what, what were you hoping to gain? Because you just now changed your whole perspective on food. You're now knowing that you don't want things that used to be triggers. You're now making healthy options for your kids as well as yourself. Because to me, that's a whole lot more rewarding and long-standing than a 10-pound weight loss or whatever she wants. So say she wants 30 pounds in right. three weeks, but you were starving yourself or you were eating shake, drinking shake, not that there's anything wrong with it, but that's not going to leave you healthy for the next 60 years. So when you look at it, then she really realized that, wow, my goal, I am hitting my goals. It just wasn't based around a number that, an, what do they call that, obscure number or whatever, like that didn't really have any meaning behind it. It just wasn't there. Yes. The, um, the book goes on, too, to talk about the best time to begin. And she either says, just start small, like you're saying. Either first steps 
a clean slate. And she says oftentimes, like, a clean slate is like, you got a new job, you got married or divorced, or you moved Mm -hmm. cities, Mm -hmm. things like that. And then the lightning bolt method, too, um, which... I have felt multiple times, because this book is a good example of it, where you just, like, you have new information, and you feel invigorated, and you're going to start right now. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and those types of things are sometimes, like, that's a news resolution fantasy as well, where you're like, on the first of the year, I will magically become this new person. So there's different ways you can do the clean slate or do the lightning bolt method, but the um, sometimes we get, as she said in the book, too, we get... Um, thinking like if you have a 30-day program, you had a clean slate, you did it. And then the second time you try to go back and do it, um, I know people have talked about this with all the whole 30. Like they go back and do the second one. It was like way harder to do a whole 30 the second time because it's not magical and shiny and brand new anymore. But the first time, if you are sort of trying to start something new, but that's why it's important to, at the beginning of the first time you're trying something, to have realistic goals because... If you just think, I'm going to do this for 30 days, see what happens, and then you have this really great experience, but then you're not measuring or not trying to shoot for something specific. You see what I'm saying? The wheels are going to fall off. Yes. Well, and it's just not shiny and new. Like, the first time you join a gym, you just, like, it's it's fun. The first time you join a gym, it's very fun. It's very exciting. There's new equipment. There's new things. You have a new habit. But eventually that stuff wears off pretty quickly. But it can be a good way to get started somewhere, too. So those Actually, are... that's a good podcast that we can maybe lead into next time. But I was going to actually talk about fear just to um, give you a little teaser on that. Yes. But um, I think that that's also really good to know that where you're, where you're at and where you're, where you're headed, you know? So I like it. Yes. If you, Thank you, Mrs. Rubin. Well, Miss Rubin? She's, she's married. I don't know if that's her married name or not, though. Um, if you are interested in kind of the psychology of habit formation, this is a good book to pick up. I've enjoyed it. Um, as I was telling Annie, the only criticism I would have of the book is she elaborates too much with the same, like, examples of the same thing. Like, she had seven examples of the clean slate method. She had ten examples of the lightning bolt method. And maybe some people just need more examples to get it. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's just like, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Something about, this is an interesting difference between me and my husband. He's like, well, why don't you just skim it then? And I'm like, I can't skim it. I have, to, I have to read the whole thing. I can't. He's like, if you get it, move on. Like, you could get through the book a lot faster. You need to come read books with me. I'm like, I like this one. This is stupid. I'll stay in it. Yeah. That's not true, actually. I, I'll usually stay in it. But I just, I told you that I just read one the same thing. Yeah. I said I didn't need nine more hours of this. I got this after. I understand what yeah. you're trying to get across. And well, I liked it, but I didn't need more. I wonder how many books are written like that, just to be like, well, we can't sell a book for $14. It's only 20 pages long. So that's a paper <laughs> or a pamphlet. Somebody said that on um, how to unfuck yourself or something like that as a book. I was reading reviews on it. The Art of Not Giving You. It's the same author, but this one's the how to un, yeah how to unfuck yourself. So, this one somebody's review was like this could have been a booklet, not a real book, but thanks. Like he was just <laughs> just and sometimes we do just want the cliff notes, but some people that are really trying to start over, they're way 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 far away from the concept of what that book's about. Like some of this stuff was great, but the idea of the four tendencies because I've already been. I've been introduced to it multiple times now. Yeah. I didn't need to be so elaborate. Sometimes books are just like, yeah, I get it. I get it. Thank you very much. So There's a book called Who Moved My Cheese. A lot of people in finance read it. Yeah. A lot of business professionals. It's a book you have to read. 100 pages. Love it. 
In fact, some worth every penny. It. Like, I mean, you can read it every year. It's fun. It's got great stuff. And uh, it's only 100 pages. I like 100 pages. I can wrap my head around that. Once again, it's a small goals, right? Also, know who you are as a person. That's why I like that she does the obliger and uh, rebeller, questioner, and um, upholder with this because I work a lot differently, like you said, than Chris. <clears throat> Chris is an all or nothing person. We are in very different ways. So I'm more emotional, though, with it. So if I'm attached to something, whether good or bad, or it's a habit, mm -hmm. it's very hard for me to cut. He could just the next day be like, nah, I'm just not going to eat any more ice cream sandwiches. I said, but you love ice cream sandwiches. Yeah, but I said I wasn't going to eat them. So I just never will. That's a yeah, good example. Whatever it is, where I would then go and eat ice cream sandwiches every single day because I made a promise <sighs> to myself. And then what's crazy is you get into this ugly, bad habit of then beating yourself up. Mm -hmm. I got a perfect example. I'm eating a rice, rice cake for breakfast every morning. Love it. Ever since the boys. Had them, started doing it when I was pregnant. Been feeling great. Well, for some reason, I think I'm going to be a better rule follower if I cut the rice cake. Well, every morning I get up and I'm hungry. So I eat the damn rice cake. And then I get pissed off because I can't keep a commitment to myself because I ate the rice cake. When if I really just say, why are you eating that? I'm eating that because it makes me feel really good through my workout. Yeah. It gives me some good, healthy fat. There may be some better options, but right now I'm really enjoying this phase. Move on. And I like it. So what happens? Am I going to, like, die because I eat a rice cake? There's, like, far more habits that are horrible. But for some reason, I get mad because it can't just cut. You just can't let it go. And then I find that in other aspects, and it trickles. Mm -hmm. So that's why I like how she sets you up where, know your role. Like, if Chris can do Snapchat, instead of writing it, let him do Snapchat. It doesn't matter. I tried to tell my sister, like, we work on different schedules. And I was trying to explain to her what was going on with my life. I was trying to give her an update. I was trying to Snapchat her. And she must have, like, the notification on for every single snap. So she thought oh. I was, like, dead in a ditch somewhere because oh. of how many, like, boop, boop, boops she was getting. And so she called me. And I'm like, no, I don't want to call you. I just want to send you this video message so I can tell you what's going on. It's just, I don't need, ugh. So I ended up talking to her. And then she had to go because she had another call coming in from the hospital because she's a big deal. So the that is... Long story short, this book has been very um, monumental for me. Just the idea that it's not just the power of habit. It's not just who moved my cheese. It's not just this. You have to start at the very basis of who you are, like how you were born to be. So if you are really sensitive to taking on rules and it's really easy for you to adopt rules and then keep it forever, know that about yourself before you get started on something. If you are an obliger and you need external expectations to actually do things, Know that about yourself because you're not going to be successful just telling yourself that you're going to go to the gym three days a week. You need to tell somebody else. You need to do something more on top of that. So um, GretchenRubin.com has a bunch of resources too. She's got little worksheets and check sheets, checklists, things like that. So if you're looking for more um, than just the gibberish that's been coming out of my mouth today, she's got a lot of uh, things including a... An accountability group. How to start an accountability oh, there group. You go. That's good. Ah, how nice is Facebook, that? Facebook group or email. Something to like. Text, even text groups. Like if you want something really yeah. quick, snap groups. We have a ton of snap groups. Yeah, something where you guys can share your um, triumphs or you can share just where you have. I even think um, having a group of people where 
you have to at least say what you did over the weekend or like talk about what you're working on. Just if that's the minimal amount of accountability that you need to get to your goals, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But she talks about um, having these social groups like book clubs and stuff to keep her accountable for having social interaction or to make friends. Like, kind of, there's a lot of like you're you're circumventing your tendency to get what you want. So if you want more social, um, if you want more friends, figure out a way to have a social club. So the uh, better than before habits or the better than before um, accountability group. Something that I'd be interested in doing because I know I'd be more likely to stick to my stick to my stuff. So I also know I was just gonna add this real quickly because it was a very light model. When you were talking about you learned a lot from this process. Mm-hmm. I do a date night email. I told you guys this, and last night as I was writing, I love when you write stuff and it pulls more out of you to really find the root of it. And I was talking yeah. about these rules. <clears throat> And what I'm realizing is that it's real big positive that I create rules as long as they're healthy because it does make me really determined. It does clean out a lot of the clutter mm-hmm. around me, but I am fighting old rules and then slowly allowing these new rules. Like I said, a rice cake in the morning. Well, what's happening? I have clarity. My workouts are better. It's actually right now it's more beneficial than me starving. <laughs> And feeling great because I starved. That was a rule right. for me, right? right? Like, ooh, okay, if I don't eat till I don't eat till this time, it didn't matter when. So but it's making me feel very uncomfortable too. So know that guys, as you're growing and you're changing, is that's where you can really link the accountability because I just had somebody in class who's going through a teething like my children are and they, they don't eat as well. Well, when you're in that and you're by yourself, you feel like you're on a lone ship and it's scary and you don't know why they eat and they're not eating. And well, when he said it, the minute he's like, doesn't it stink? And then they don't eat. And I right away, big smile on my face. So thank you for saying that. It was. It was this huge relief. And so when you share these things, you realize there's very many other people out there that feel the same way you do. We're just all internalizing our shit. And I'm, I'm still wondering why. And maybe it's because we don't know we feel like that. Maybe we feel we have to be a certain person. I don't think I need to on paper, but maybe if I really broke it down, I feel I need to stay. Maybe those subjects just don't come up. I don't know. But I love, I love my accountability coach that I have because it allows me to free verse thoughts work them out, compartmentalize them, and then grow from them, knowing that this is not horrible to think like this. Mm -hmm. I talked to my doctor that is partners with the lady who delivered me and was telling her how you do feel sometimes like you want to die in the beginning. Like, I shouldn't have never done this. Like, I don't even want to live. This can't be my life. Yes. She goes... I guarantee you, 96, 7, 8% of women feel like that. I told a friend that. She said she had suicidal thoughts. I don't necessarily think I would have reacted. I think people will, though. And yeah. I think we need to be mindful of that. But I also thought I was a horrible person for having those thoughts. And I'm not. It was it a was thought. Thing. You had the thought, it was and then thought. you were beating yourself up for exactly. having the thought. Yeah. So once I was able to share, I got it out. And then I felt so much better having support. And so tying in that with that, you know, you're going to, you're not a horrible person for questioning everything. No. Just find out maybe it's not appropriate to always question. Like that's what Chris said. Maybe I'm holding us back 
in certain aspects of business because I need too many answers mm-hmm. for them instead of just trusting and moving forward. And if I have questions along the way, ask them. But he's probably saved us a world of hurt in other areas because he's asked a lot. Yes. The the tendency of the questioner is that they will only they will only do something if they can understand why they're doing it. Which is good and bad. There's there's so many things like that that really are well if you just why do we have to it seems so elaborate to people that move through those emotions faster. It seems so elaborate, but I it can't. Oh, sorry, go ahead. You go. No, say it can really save you from a lot of things because sometimes we don't think about why we're doing something. Absolutely. So a questioner will really be like, well, why? Why are we doing this? Like, oh shit, I don't know, because this is what I thought I had to do. I just want people to use this experience to make them grow and not feel defeated from it, mm-hmm. because it can easily, as you pull weeds, feel like you're not going to grow a garden. But the more the weeds that you pull usually the bigger, be- more beautiful garden you will have. Beautiful flowers. I am not vegetables. a florist. Or I'm not, I have no green thumb whatsoever, so it's funny that they came out. But Odd analogy for make you. It, <laughs> for sure. Make it empowering, not defeating, is what I'm going to say. Yeah. Use it, knowledge is power. This, knowing this about no, myself, great, right? like the, the obliger versus the, um, the idea that I have a very hard time meeting uh, internal expectations is a game changer. That's a lightning bolt moment for me that is empowering. So if it if I had to pick out of the four, now that I know that each one has its ups and downs, maybe it's just the way I was born and meant to be, but the um, it it's knowledge is power. Like I can be so much more successful knowing that I have to facilitate mm-hmm. external accountability to do what it is that I want to do. Feels cool when you know how you tick. Yes, it also is cool to know that your husband asks you a million questions a day, not because he questions you, but because he just has questions. Exactly. All the goddamn time. <laughs> All the time. So if you guys haven't taken that quiz, I highly suggest it. It's from two podcasts ago. And then take Eva's advice and go on the page and get into an accountability group if it really interests yeah. you so you can dig a little deeper. Yes. And then we'll talk about fear next week. I can't wait. Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Dose weeks. Hopefully. Hopefully. Fingers crossed, we guys. Can eat, I'll still have a baby in me in two weeks. I better. I think I podcasted like the Thursday before I gave birth that Sunday or Monday. Last you were, time. Uh, you were a very pregnant mama. Somebody asked me this week if I was going to take time off before the baby comes. And I was like, why? Yeah. I did buy a box of size one diapers this week. And I was like, I think I'm good. We're ready to go. Baby can come whenever. You, you need ones already. No newborns, huh? I don't think he'll, no, I don't think he'll need newborns, because Aiden was born at 8, 12, and I think new, I think newborns are like 4 to... We had preemie diapers. I know, I'm sure the tiniest little baby beds. Aww. Oh gosh, you yeah, guys. They're, they're still in ones, but I think baby barely. <laughs> We're trying to use them up. You're seven months old? Oh, because that's what everybody gave you at like your diaper keg and everything? Yeah, we still have never bought a box of diapers ever. Isn't that lovely? It is. That's, that's a gift. A diaper keg is a gift. That was a fun party, though. It was. So guys, if you're pregnant, have a diaper keg. Don't yes, we did not best give you any quality information today. Oh, gosh, we had the Zubru, all that good stuff with your little pregnant. Yeah, we did. So you guys have a great week. Check out that page, and we'll see you in a couple. Bye. Bye.